We've been looking at uh, the words of Jesus and what, when Jesus says things uh, to us and what he tells us to say. And it looks like we're all up and running here this morning, so that's very good. And uh, we're going to be looking at particularly uh, verses uh, 16 um, through verse 22. And uh, we'll take a look at some of those verses and some of the things that uh, Jesus said for us to do. But let's pray here this morning and uh, ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we are just so thankful for just the time of worship that we had. I, I thank you for um, just the opportunity to praise your name and, and praise you for who you are. And now this time as we reflect upon your word and try to understand the sayings that you spoke to us. God, they may seem trite, they may seem small and insignificant, but God, these are the very words of you. You spoke these words. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to us, that he will enlighten us, and that he will apply your words to our heart. God, Help your words not to fall on deaf ears this morning. Help us to be attentive to your word. Help our hearts to be open to your word. I pray, Lord, that we would, in a sense, understand more of who you are. Um, not just somebody who lived 2,000 years ago, but somebody that is alive, somebody that is working in our midst even very right now. And... Lord, we just thank you for the time that we get together together and we get to uh, spend this time in fellowship with your word. I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, Lord, that you would draw them unto yourself, that they would understand what it means to be a Christ follower, that they would decide to turn to you and to trust you for salvation. Jesus, we are just so thankful for what you've done in our lives, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. So as we move through the gospel accounts here, um, we have been encountering some of the words of Jesus, and we come to this time after Jesus had been tempted in the wilderness. He now comes to the point where he begins to preach. And the Bible tells us that after realizing that John had been put into prison, Jesus takes up his public ministry and he begins to preach. Jesus was a preacher. And we're going to find here what did Jesus preach. He spoke about certain things. And this morning we're going to be looking at repent and following him. So we're going to dive into a hard saying of Jesus as we look at this. And I say it's hard because all of us have an evil, selfish desire living inside of us. And when Jesus says repent, Jesus is calling for a standard. And he's looking right through all of us and he's saying, I know of the evil desires that you have inside of you and I'm telling you to repent. Why? Because Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. And so it's a hard saying for us because we have this desire that we want to buck authority many times and we just don't want anybody putting any type of restrictions on our life. Um, I remember when I was younger, 
Um, there used to be a lot of these shows on like, uh, you know, like Montel Williams and, you know, all those shows. And they'd have like these unruly kids. And they were like a 13, it was like a 13 year old. And they would say, you're not going to tell me what to do. This is my life, you know, whatever. Okay. And they take them to boot camp and, you know, the kids crying and, you know, it's just, yeah. But we have this evil, selfish desire inside of us that we don't want to have authority placed over us. But remember who is saying this. This is not just some king. This is not just some governor. I mean, this is the creator. This is the one that gives us breath. This is the one that gives us life. And he tells us to repent. And so I will say, however, that when we follow his words and when we obey them, we do come to experience many of his wonderful attributes, such as his unfailing love, his glorious grace, and his perpetual hope. So this morning, I want like to force to focus more on why we repent and when we repent, those attributes that we come to experience about who God is. So not just so much of repent, turn or burn, but in the sense of when we do repent and when we do follow, what do we come to realize about who God is? what he's doing in our lives and why he is telling us to repent. So that's really where I want us to focus here on this morning. So let's look at the verses here and uh, we're gonna begin reading uh, here in uh, verse 17. The Bible says, from that time Jesus began to preach saying, now notice the word, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, notice that word, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then we begin reading here also in verse 20. He says, immediately they left their nets, and notice again, followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and notice again, followed him. So as we read this passage, we find the words, repent, follow me, followed him, he called them and followed him. Given the context of this, it's quite evident that Jesus, as he was preaching, he was preaching repentance and he was preaching for people to come and follow him. I mean, can you imagine? Jesus is on the scene and he's preaching repentance. And the Bible says as he's walking, he's seeing two people, fishermen. And he says, come follow me. There's no doubt about it that they were in ear's distance of Jesus' preaching. It could have been that Jesus was actually maybe walking and talking, preaching as he was going through town. Maybe he was just heralding forth, repent, repent. I mean, was that not the same ministry of John the Baptist? I mean, he was out there and he was saying, repent, repent, repent. And Jesus said, of born of women, there was none other greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because he was the forerunner, forerunner of Christ. And he was preaching repentance. So Jesus here was a preacher of repentance. You know, in this context, we find the disciples leaving what they knew and following Jesus. The Bible says that these disciples, they were fishermen. That's what they had come to know in their life. 
That's what the time that they spent, maybe they spent time with their father. The Bible says it says that they even left their father. They left their boats, they left their nets, they left everything and went to go and follow Christ. It'd just be like um, somebody coming up to you, somebody give me a trade that you may have been involved with for the most of your life. Railroad, okay. Do you own your own railroad? On Monopoly, right? B&O Railroad, right? Um, so let's just say you're a railroader. And let's just say you may have owned your own railroad. That's what you spent your whole life doing. And then all of a sudden, you leave it and abandon it completely. That's what these disciples were doing. It'd be like somebody who may have spent working as a carpenter. They had all their tools. And all of a sudden, they just leave all of their tools right where they're at. And completely leave. And they went to go and follow Christ. Christ calls us here to repentance. Turning from the way that we are going and turning to him. The scriptures tell us in Isaiah that we are like sheep who've gone astray. We've gone off course. We, are, we have went our own way, but the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Repenting is the very first step to coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I encourage you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to turn from the way that you're going away from God, and you need to turn to Christ. Because Christ is pursuing after you. And you need to turn to Him. That's what repentance is. Turning from where you are, turning to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old has passed away and everything has become new. And so it's important for us to repent. And you know, as a Christ follower, I believe that repentance is a necessary thing for all of us every single time. We must be repenting from our sins daily. I mean, many times in my own life when God begins to show me things that are not right in my own life, it has to be a turning away from the way that I'm going and turning back to Christ. Notice the text here. It says twice immediately. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And again, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. When Christ calls us, there should never be a delay. To delay is in a sense to disobey. You know, we have a daughter and we're starting to use the, the two letter word now. No. And you see your hands. No. 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 Okay. And you think about that. How many times that we're going through life and Christ calls us to do something and we just look at him and we're like, And the Bible here says that these disciples immediately, immediately, they left and went to go and follow Christ. Now, this following here that the disciples had, this was a physical following. I mean, Christ was actually there on the scene and they got to see him for who he was. I mean, they went and dwelt with him. They went and abode with him, the Bible tells us. They spent time with him. This is a physical following. 
Now, this physical following is not necessarily required of us today because Christ is not necessarily in a physical bodily form here on the earth right now. But we are required to still follow him. And we follow him in a sense by loving him above all and to accept his will as supreme will for our lives. So understanding these two aspects of repenting and following him, the, these words of Jesus, I'd like for us to get a glimpse of who Jesus Christ really is and why we should repent and why we should follow him. So let's take a look here at some of these things. Notice here, number one, repenting and following Christ is an act of grace. In Matthew 4, 16, the Bible says the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. When we come into a relationship with Christ, it is an act of grace. When we follow Christ, it is an act of grace. Grace is all of Christ and nothing of us. It is God's unmerited favor upon our lives. There is none of us in here, myself included, that has ever scored brownie points with God by acting a certain way, by doing something special. God's unmerited favor has just been poured out upon us. And so when we repent, it's a complete act of grace. It is God's goodness and love that was sacrificially given to us in his son, Jesus Christ. If you look at these verses, verses 14 and 15, Matthew quotes here from the book of Isaiah, the prophet, and Jesus shows up on the scene preaching to those dwelling in darkness and the dwelling in the shadow of death, and he fulfills a 680-year-old prophecy. So here comes Jesus on the scene, and I like this. It says that they were dwelling in darkness. In some other versions, it says that they were sitting in darkness. They could do nothing. Now, was it the fact that it was completely physically dark? Not necessarily. But it was the idea that they were spiritually blinded. And they were sitting and they were dwelling in darkness. And Christ shows up on the scene, and notice that, have seen a great light. You know what that great light is? That's grace. I think so many times in my own life, looking back when I was in spiritual darkness and Christ came to me, giving grace. And that great light was shining. You know, sometimes people don't even know that they are in darkness. Have you ever been and went into a very dark room? And I mean, it's like pitch dark. But eventually, what ends up happening? Your eyes become accustomed to the darkness, do they not? And before you know it, you're like, hey, I can see in the dark. Everything looks great. Hey, wow, I could live like this. But we're in darkness. And there is a world around us, even here in this community, that is in spiritual darkness, and they might be sitting, they can't even do anything. And the Bible says that Jesus came as a great light. And notice that, it says, and those dwelling in the region and a shadow of death. A shadow of death. 
These people were living in spiritual darkness in a time of doom and gloom. But the act of grace of repentance is the light of Christ is a great light and is a light that brings the dawn a newness and a renewal. So the light of Christ reveals the sin, the wickedness, the darkness that is in our hearts. And the closer that we draw to Christ, the more darkness that he reveals that is in our lives. And it's a sense of when we see that, we repent of that, and it's a complete act of grace on his part. This light always comes to man. That is what is so gracious about God. He is pursuing after us with his grace. It comes to us during our darkest and most disturbing times in our life. You know, I think about the testimony that Jessica just gave and how she said that God is using that child to bring her sister into a relationship with him. He's drawing her. That's an act of grace. When Christ calls us to repentance, he is calling us to grace. His great light is nothing less than his great grace. The hymn writer got it right when he said, Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. You know, recall when the grace of Christ, when the grace of his light came to you. Where were you? In darkness. Christ never says, I want you to get cleaned up first and then I will accept you. He comes to us just as we are in darkness. I love the verse in Romans 5.20. It says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Repentance is a work of grace. It is God who pursues after us. It is God who works in us. It is God who draws us to himself. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 9 really sums this up. And he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that, so that no one may boast. You know, when we stand before God and we get to experience his presence in the reality of heaven because we know his son, Jesus, none of us up there is going to be going, well, how did you get here? Well, I went to church all my life. Well, how did you get here? Well, I sang Christian songs. Well, how did you get here? Well, I gave a lot of money in the offering. It doesn't work that way. None of us are, is going to be boasting the only thing that we'll be boasting about is his great grace that saved us. And if you have the mentality and thinking that, well, I'm going to get to heaven because I've done good things, I've been a good person, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I'm sorry, you have fallen way short of his standard. And his standard is righteousness, and you have none. And so you need his grace. You need to repent and turn to Christ. And so repentance is an act of his grace. And I love this. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he was preaching repentance. He was preaching grace. He's saying, I am the only way. 
I am the only way to the Father. You must trust me. And I will welcome you just as you are. These people were in darkness and they were in the shadow of death and yet he still accepted them. You look throughout all of scripture and you can find many times God accepting people just as they are. Sinners, murderers, people that society detests and God accepted them just as they were. His great grace. So repenting and following Christ is an act of grace. Let's look here secondly. Repenting and following Christ is a remembrance of his love. Look at Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. As we follow Christ, we remember his love. Now, once a month, here, the first of the month, we have a remembrance of Christ. And we celebrate that during communion time. But do you know, it's not just restricted to once a month. We should be remembering his love every day. We should be partaking of his love every day. So each of us who is a Christ follower can remember his love, and we can remember his love often. Notice the text. What was Jesus calling us to do and why? He calls us to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And notice here in verse 19, he tells us by following him, we will become fishers of men. Have you ever thought about how do you fish for men? What you use as bait? Pizza? How many of you guys like pizza in here? That's great, isn't it? But Jesus here calls us to be fishers of men. Now, these disciples here, that was their trade. They were fishermen. And I think it's neat that Jesus says, leave everything you're doing, leave everything that you know, and I want you now to fish for men. Jesus proclaimed his kingdom here by giving us glad tidings. That is the kingdom of heaven. It's glad tidings. It's good news. So when Jesus says, repent, it's not the fact of Jesus up there with a whip saying, you better repent. <laughs> it's the fact of Jesus saying, will you please repent? My love is great towards you because I have prepared a place for you and it's the kingdom of God. And I love you so much. Will you please repent and come to me? And so when we repent, it's a remembrance of his love. John 3, 16, we all know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That truly is glad tidings. That truly is good news. When the spirit of God shows us things in our lives that are not right, things that don't line up with his word, when he shows us how we are going off course, and when we repent, it's a recalling, it's a remembrance of his love that Christ died for us, that Christ saved us from our sins, and that it is Christ who calls us to repent and follow him. So when I choose to repent, it brings me into remembrance of who Christ is 
that he gave his life on the cross for my sin. Notice in verse 19, the Bible says, as he called his disciples, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus desires that his work continues, that it always continues and it's moving forward. These men were fishermen. And Jesus now calls them to be fishers of men. But notice what Christ calls us to do as we follow him, to fish for men. So please make the connection here. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If I am following Christ, what will I be doing? Fishing for men. Proclaiming his love. Proclaiming the kingdom of God. So if I'm not following Christ, what will I not be doing? Not fishing for men. Not proclaiming his love. Not proclaiming the kingdom of God. So it's very clear here that Jesus, when he says, I want you to follow me, he's saying, I want you to continue my work. I want you to continue proclaiming my love towards others because you have encountered it yourselves. And I want you to continue to proclaim that love towards others. You know, humanity was at the heart of God. Not just for righteous men, not for the good people, but for the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low, Jesus came to the sinners, the ungodly, the unwanted, the outcast, and the wretch. Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we remember his love by fishing for men, proclaiming his love that saved us and showing a life that has been redeemed through repentance. And as we grow in our love for God, our love for people grows. And we have a desire to fish for them. We have a desire to proclaim his love for others. So repenting and following Christ is a remembrance of his love. Let's look here thirdly. Repenting and following Christ gives us hope. Now I love this part about here in this passage. When I think of hope, what is hope? In a biblical sense, it's an expectation of God to do something. Jesus here is repenting and he's preaching. And as he's preaching, he's saying, follow me. The disciples here, it says immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Do you see the anticipation? Now, what was it that caused them to leave their nets? I mean, it'd be like this. Um, let's see here, Alex, okay. You work on landscaping, right? You have tools of your own? No, you use the company's tools? Okay, all right. So you're working at landscaping. You get a paycheck, right? Get money, saving up, paying the bills, all that kind of good stuff, right? All right? Imagine if someone just showed up on the job site and said, Alex, hey man, 
you need to leave this all. Just come follow me. What would you do? Depends on who it was. What if it was somebody you didn't even know who it was? Just some random guy that just showed up. What would you do? <laughs> You'd probably be like, um, I don't think so. If someone just said, I want you to leave your livelihood, give it all up and come follow me. Who are you? Here's these men, fishermen. This was their livelihood. And Jesus shows up and says, come and follow me. What was it about him that they chose to do that? I mean, it didn't say that they thought about it. It didn't say, it didn't say that they went home and talked to their wife and said, yeah, some guy showed up at the job site today and he wants me to leave my livelihood and go and follow him. Is that okay with you, hon? No. Did you hear about the guy that, the true story, this guy, he, uh, he went and signed up for, it was either the army or the marines or something, four years, went home and then told his wife. I mean, newly married couple, I mean, he just decided to go and do it. I mean, that's crazy, right? You look at this and it says immediately, they left their net, I mean, they were there in the heat of the day, they were there, they were actually fishing. And then Christ says, come follow me. You got it, sure, no problem, whatever. Says so he encounters some others and says, they left the boat and their father. Can you imagine you're working with your dad? And he says, come on, come on, son, we gotta get these fish in. Uh, I'm gonna go do something else, see ya. So what was it? Was it the way that he spoke? Was there some weight to his words that they had authority and power? That they said, this is not any ordinary man. This, this is something different. There was an anticipation. There was an expectation of an intense desire to see God at work. I mean, maybe they heard him preaching and they said, this guy is calling for people to follow him because he's saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Maybe that recalls back to what they had heard, maybe John preaching. But they said, look, there's something different about this man and we are going to follow him. We're going to leave everything that we have and we're going to follow him. So when we repent and follow Christ, it gives us hope. There's an intense desire to see God at work. Imagine the scene. These people were fishermen. They were skilled in what they were doing, and they left it all. Christ shows up preaching repentance, preaching the kingdom of heaven, and they follow him. Whatever it was, the Bible says immediately, there was an anticipation of following after Christ. They left the known and went into the unknown. They were now charting waters of unknown territory. Let's turn here to Luke chapter number five, because I want to give you a different, uh, 
narrative here on this because this is neat. Matthew gives us one view of it and says that they left everything. But Luke kind of presses the matter a little bit more and he gives us a little bit different take on this story. In Luke chapter number five, it says, on one occasion, beginning in verse number one, Luke five, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now notice this. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled, we've worked. We've been at this all night long. And we don't have anything. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. So they began to sink. I mean, you talk about the catch of the day. This is it. I mean, this has nothing on deadliest catch. I mean, this is serious. It says in verse 8, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now you think about that. There they are out on the sea. They had caught nothing. And Jesus just says, put out your net. And there were so many fish. I mean, this could have made their entire year. So many of them. And they left it all because there was an anticipation. They said, this is something different. This has weight to it. This man who is speaking is the son of God. And they left it all and followed him. When we repent and follow Christ, there is an anticipation of hope. Because when we repent and we realize and say, God, I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm going to start following you. And we begin to follow the Lord. He begins to move in our lives. He begins to show us things that we have never seen before. There's one other account. After the Lord had been crucified, Peter who here it says that he says, from now on, Peter, you're going to be a fisher of men. Guess what Peter went back to doing? Fishing. And he was out there fishing. And he got more fish than he could ever want. And Jesus shows up and he says, Peter, 
do you love these fish more than me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you, brotherly type of love. Lord says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you, you know I love you. I love you. Third time he speaks and he says, Peter, do you love me? But he uses a different word. He says, Peter, do you love me? Agape love. Do you have a sacrificial love towards me? Are you willing to follow me wherever? And the Bible says that Peter was grieved in his heart. He says, Lord, I do agape love you. I love you sacrificially. He says, Peter, I want you to follow me. I have a job for you to do. Now, all of us in here have livelihoods. We all have jobs to do. You have to provide for your family. That's what you got to do. But when Christ is calling you to follow him, it could be follow him in a certain way at your job. It could be following him in a certain way in the community in which God has planted you. It could be God calling you to follow him in a particular area of ministry. Are you ready to follow him? Are you ready to anticipate there's hope that God is going to do something great in your life? And so when I choose to follow Christ, I'm going to step out into area unknown. I mean, it's scary. It is downright terrifying because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know the outcome of any of the things that are going to take place. But there is one sure thing that you can be sure of, that God is at work. And it is the hope, the anticipation of what God is going to do next. I mean, I think about that, all the fish, the boats are sinking, the nets are breaking. And they're going, what could God do? And God took these men, these disciples, and he turned the world upside down. You read about in the book of Acts. And they were preaching. People were coming to know Christ. And God changed the known world at that time. Just with some ordinary fishermen. They weren't smart. They didn't have degrees. But there was an anticipation of hope of what God could do. So what about you? What about me? Do I remember his love? Do I know that repentance is an act of grace on his part? Is there an anticipation of what God could do in our lives if we choose to repent and follow him? Let's pray. Lord, we are just so thankful for your word. Thank you for just how you speak to us and how you tell us these words from your, your word that we're to repent, that we are to follow after you. And God, I know that many of these people here have professed Christ as their Savior. They they've have Jesus. They, they, they have a relationship with him. But Lord, we do think of the ones that do not. We, we, we pray for the ones that are still deciding to go their own way. And Lord, will you please tenderly draw them unto yourself. God, may you prove your love towards them. May they see what an awesome God that you are and that you 
love them so much that you gave your son Jesus to die for them. Help all of us to daily be repenting of our sins that so easily beset us and the things that cause us to go astray from your word. And help us to return always back to your word for guidance, for truth, for help, for instruction in righteousness so that we might be perfected and, and, and thoroughly furnished. God, we do pray that you help us to follow after you. Whatever it is that you're speaking to us about, help us to immediately leave and follow after you. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.